Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuning to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome to Cool Radio. Cool! What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. My Robert Lombard's and I'm right away, go. We invaded airwaves. Why them haters mad? Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Ain't no stopping us, they be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we're live on the airways right now, and we have a live show to get to. I will be holding it down on the solo dolo tip for tonight's festivities but nonetheless i have a lot of great content for us to uh pontificate on if you will so we're going to be talking about the aftermath of the drake versus pushy t beef and how jay prince got interjected into all this we'll also be talking about Lil wayne being released from cash money donald glover aka childish gambino being up on a short list of people to play willy wonka in the upcoming film and also the untimely passing of anthony bourdain but before i get into all that you guys already know that I got some stuff to get off my chest. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Indeed, indeed. So what I want to talk about to get things off is this, man. I want to talk about yesterday's elections and the results, all right? So yesterday was a very important for everyone who lives in the province of Ontario, just in case we have any people outside of Canada listening to the show. Uh... Yesterday, June 7th, was our day to vote for our provincial leaders, basically. So if we were to equate this to, like, let's say, America, for example, it would be the, uh, it'd be the state votes rather than the, the, than the national votes, essentially. So basically, we were voting for what we call our premier. So we had a few choices um, as far as what party to align with. And there's three primary parties that are usually on the up and up or are at the forefront, I should say. So you have the PC, which is the more conservative party. You have the Ontario Liberal Party, and then you have NDP, which is New Democratic Party, which is a bit more liberal than liberal, I guess you can call it. Uh, and each has like their own agenda and like their own thing that they want to cling on to and what have you. And basically, the leader of the PC party is a man named Doug Ford. And for those of you who don't know who Doug Ford is, he is the older brother of the infamous uh government leader known as Rob Ford. So the gentleman who basically made national headlines and, and airwaves and what have you, internationally even, uh, what, six, five, six years ago, give or take, when he had a whole bunch of interesting sound bites, uh, I guess you'd call it. He had some interesting connections with certain people, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. He was the mayor of Toronto. He was basically the equivalent of Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons, all right? Very corrupt politician who had some questionable dealings with certain people and certain parties. But anyways, that's besides the point. His older brother was running was running for uh, premier, basically. And lo and behold, he won. So he is now the premier of Ontario. And the majority of the House uh, that governs within Ontario will be comprised of conservative members. You'll have a few people 
you know, in the house who are from different parties. Kathleen Wynn, who was the leader, and I say was because she agreed to step down. Uh, she was the leader of the Liberal Party, but she now has a seat in the House, essentially. Um, I kind of I find it kind of interesting that she got to see the House scenes, how she was running against Ford. And she backed out of the race literally like a day or two before the final results came in. And it almost kind of sounds like a, like a plea deal of sorts saying, OK, you know what? We're going to give you a seat in the House, but you got to step down as leader of the Liberal Party. So that's how I kind of felt. You know when when we got when we caught wind of that. Now, as for Andrea Horvath, she was the leader, or sorry, she is the leader of the NDP party, um, and this is probably the best that I've personally seen the NDP party do as far as elections are concerned, whether it be provincial or federal. Um, they are at one point ahead. They're at one point ahead by one percent uh, during the during the tallying of the votes, and that was. A couple days ago, actually. Now, yesterday, I don't know if that was the case. I can't remember if that was the case. But basically, it was a two-headed race between NDP and PC because the Liberal Party decided to, to back out of it. Now, I'm a little disappointed at the fact that the PC Party won because of all the things that Doug Ford and his family represent, right? And I'm not just saying this because his brother was an extension of him, but basically because of the fact that their family outside of Rob has been known to have dealings with nefarious individuals. They've been known to to, to dip into taxpayers' money. They've been known to do a lot of things that don't benefit the people as a whole. They only benefit the people who fit in a certain tax bracket. So if you're making $250,000 or more, then I guess you're A-OK. But... At the end of the day, they're not serving the middle class and they're not serving the lower class as well. And I feel like NDP would have done a better job at serving all communities rather than the PC part who just looks at the upper echelon of communities altogether. And that's the kind of government that we are trying to avoid. That's the kind of government that Trump is trying to run right now in America. And a lot of people are comparing Ford to Trump because of their mishandlings of certain things and how they have favoritism in certain in certain areas as well. And that's not something that we need right now. It's funny because I was talking to my boy uh, yesterday and he said how he made a grand apology to any of his American family or friends because for the last what year and whatever, he's been roasting Americans for letting Trump uh, be in office. But lo and behold, we have our own diet version of Trump within our own office, within Ontario in particular. So while the whole country isn't doomed, it seems as though the Trump effect is starting to take just trying to make way rather up here in Ontario and who knows how far that could spread. So that's a, that's a big problem. And I feel like a lot of the people who voted for, uh, sorry, not Trump for, for Ford, either they are of the higher echelon or the people who are even of the lower echelon, they just don't like the fact that there are going to be certain policies, policies put in place by either the liberal or NDP party if they were to be elected as, as premier. So, for example, one of the hot-button topic issues were teaching children about sexual education at a younger age than normally expected. And a lot of these people are either homophobic or they're, they're extreme when it comes to religion, and they just have this fear that their kids are going to go off and fornicate in two or three years' time once they start learning about sex in school. And that's obviously not going to be the case. It's just something that has to be learned upon at a particular age so that you can grow and learn and understand what you know sexual nature is all about and what to do and what not to do going forward. I mean, if you think this is bad, we are in the digital age right now. I'm sure there are kids <laughs> who are 9, 10, 11 years old 
on their phones, because a lot of these kids have phones these days, they're on their phones looking at Pornhub and RedTube and all these other websites that show full-out porn. Back in my day, you you were lucky if you got like a two-minute clip. Other than that, you had Red Shoe Diaries on Showcase, and then you had those little one-two porn movies on C- on on City TV after midnight on Saturdays. Don't ask how I know this. All right, it just 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 work with me here. The point is, there are going to be kids out there who are young who are going to find these things out one way or the other. So it's better to be educated in the confines of an environment that implies and implores education rather than on the internet we're going to have a whole bunch of ads they're going to say oh let this thing get larger in five days using this cream or whatever like you don't need that to be spamming your children's minds and that and that's the thing right there and a lot of people who vote or who don't vote or whatever the case may be they have the skewed thing where they think that all political parties are perfect and i feel like because of their fickleness if there's one thing that they don't like about a particular political party but everything else is amazing then they say nah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with this party because of the one thing that they said that they would do but they'll ignore all your other needs that you have in mind but because of that one thing that supersedes over the other thing that you don't like they're gonna go for that party and i feel like there's a handful of people i'm sure there's a handful of people who went out and voted for the pc party just because of the one thing that they didn't like about the Liberal Party or the NDP Party. And that's the wrong mentality to have because it's very flawed logic, to say the least. So I'm very disappointed in the fact that we've seen what's happened in America and we've seen what the PC Party is capable of doing. We've seen what a Rob Ford regime looks like in a small scale, i.e. Toronto, but now I feel like we're going to get that on a, on a bit of a larger scale throughout the entire province of Ontario. And it's interesting. You know, sometimes in certain scenarios, history has a funny way of repeating itself. And if this is the Doug Ford that we've all been worried about, then I'm sure history in that sense will rear its ugly head. And we're going to have a lot to cry about when that happens. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. But... It's not looking so bright right now. Some people are saying, hey, are we really surprised? Some people are devastated. Either way, however way you want to look at it, Doug Ford is our is our premier now. So we just have to uh, grin and bear it and see how it goes for the next three or four years. So it is what it is at this point. But either way, what do you guys think? Are you happy that he's in office? Are you disappointed? Could more have been done? Is this the result that you expected? Whether or not you like him? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. Actually, nope. Cool Radio CC. That's the new handle. I keep forgetting. And share your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break, we will get into the aftermath of the Drake Pusha T beef, YJ Prince inter- intervened, and much more. And with that said, we're going to play one of the records from that beef, which is entitled Duppy Freestyle. And that one was from Drake. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. Yep. Yeah. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Um, Yeah, so that was Drake, uh, Duppy Freestyle. And basically, I played that because I want to get into the aftermath of the Drake versus Pusha T beef. And I feel like it's important to get into because I feel like we're about to hear... Pardon me. I feel like we're, we're about to hear... Another uh, Drake diss on the way, but then the OG had to make a call, 
And the OG I'm referring to is Jay Prince. Now, for those of you guys who are not familiar with that name, Jay Prince is the founder of Rap A Lot Records, and one of the biggest one of the biggest artists that they had on that label was, of course, Scarface. And that label was very influential in building up uh, Southern hip hop. And he was also one of the first moguls within hip hop. It was him, Russell Simmons, you name it, right? So he has a relationship with Drake because his son, Jazz Prince, was the one who first introduced Drake to Lil Wayne. And as you know, the rest is history. So he basically made a phone call to him in his words and said to him to not respond to Push's uh, track or anything else like it because he said that, you know, when the pigs wrestle with hogs and they themselves become a hog, and then everything gets messy and muddy. Something like that. You look up the interviews. He said it on like four or five different inter- interviews. Basically saying that, you know, his image will be tarnished and it'll get ugly if he continues on this, you know, parade of insults and disses. And it might affect his branding and his imaging and what have you. Now, I find this very interesting that he is now reaching out to Drake to end the beef and get it where it stands. Because... For those of you, for those of you who don't know as well, not only is he kind of a kind of like a surrogate mentor in a sense, but he's also selling a book right now. He's doing a he's basically in the middle of a book tour, and he's kind of using you know his his leverage with Drake and you know his standing with him to kind of sell a book as well. Now I'm not saying that he's you know solely an opportunist, only looking out for his own pockets. Like I'm sure he means well and what have you, and I'm sure he's been somewhat of a mentor to Drake over the last ten years or so. But at the same time, I find it very timely of him to put an end to the beef, all the meanwhile selling a book or on the way of selling a book as well. It's a little opportunistic to say the least if you ask me because this is my thing right here. If you really felt this way about you know Drake's branding and imaging and what have you, then where were you during his beef with Meek Mill? Where were you during his beef with Joe Budden? Mind you, he had a couple of subliminals for Joe, but it wasn't really that serious. Um, where were you when he had his beef with Common back in 2011? Nowhere to be found. Where, where over yonder? You know what I mean? Um, or even even the Kendrick situation. Like, again, like Drake didn't really have any shots for, for Kendrick at that time. But, again, where were you? Like, Drake has had a verbal skirmish with more than a number of, of rappers, whether it's from our genera- or this current generation or from a past generation. So why is it now that he's having issues with, with Pusha T that you want to come and intervene and play the role of referee now? And, you know, to me, it just kind of, kind of comes down to the fact that, A, you're selling the book, and B, this may not be fact. This is more open to interpretation. This is more subjective. Maybe he thought that Drake was losing the battle and thought that he couldn't continue on and say, you know what, dead it. But then again, there were reports of him saying how he may or may not have heard, you know, the the record that Drake had in store for Pusha and how that could have ended Pusha's career or, or whatever the case may be. Either way, this is hip hop. Let it continue. Now, unless if it's under dire circumstances, i.e. Biggie and Tupac, why not let it continue? Like, why do you have to throw in the towel? Like, no one's getting beaten to death right now. This is... This was arguably the best battle that hip-hop has seen in the last 13 years. The last one I can think of that was even, like, noteworthy was the game versus G-Unit and how he just slaughtered everyone in G-Unit with the record. Everyone tried to come back with their record, but it wasn't enough. Game was ready to go to war. 
literally actually because I remember there was a shootout during uh, in in 2005 between his camp and 50s camp outside of Hot 97. But anyways, that's besides the point. Why let it stop? Let it keep going. Like both of these rappers are sensible. Like like Push is like 41. Drake is in his early 30s. These guys both have like their own families to worry about. They have their own branding to worry about and what have you. Like no one is going to get killed over this. And I can only assume that both of their entourages are are very knowledgeable in that regard as well. So he said he also said he's he saw it going down a path where it was going to get personal and violent and all that. Look, can all that. I don't believe that even for a second. And, yes, they were going personal. I, I, I will say that. Drake mentioned, you know, Virginia Williams. He didn't mention her in a disrespectful way. He just mentioned her in general. And the pusher mentioned you know, the the mother of his child and also his child. Mentioned his mother, mother and father, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if you thought he was being disrespectful and he i mean pusha then why not make a call to push T and say hey end it now you know what i mean because now we'll never get to hear the response that drake had ready we will never know if it was spicy or if it wasn't and that's one thing that got taken away from us that we shouldn't have had taken away from us this is like watching an nba finals game and there is a blown call by the referee and it should have gone in the way of of team a but they got the penalty instead this is what it feels like right now. And on top of that, you're going to have the Drake naysayers. You're going to say, oh, well, he was going to get bodied anyway because he got bodied right there and then. Don't get me wrong. The story of Adidon was a very scathing diss track. But at the end of the day, we never got to hear what Drake's response would have been. I, I, it's, it's, just, it's just very um, it's very frustrating because it kind of makes Drake look like a punk now. Because essentially you have your surrogate father in the music industry kind of – take you out of the playground, grab you by your arm because he feels like the schoolyard bully is about to give you an ass whooping. And then your dad comes in and says, no, we're going, we're going, you've lost. I'm throwing in the towel right now. This is Ivan Drago all over again. Let's go. And that's not fair because Drake still had a shot in in my eyes. And I just feel like when it comes to Drake in particular, he gets the goalpost move, move from him very often. Drake is not my favorite artist. Um, I've been critical of him in the past. I am a fan of his overall. I do enjoy his music. I feel like he could do some things better with his music, but I understand the uh, the method behind his music, you know, business wise and what have you. So I get it. But I just feel like the goalpost is always moved for him further out, whereas with other artists it gets shrinked in. And it's funny because one of the examples I have is the example of the photo that of him in blackface from like over 10 years ago. He put out a statement in regards to that. Not only did he do that, but other people who know him put out a statement in regards to that as well. David Reyes, I think, is, is his name, the, the photographer who took the photos. Also, Lupe Fiasco gave his own interpretation of what those photos meant. And despite all that context, people still weren't buying it. But the joke is, and there's two jokes actually, the joke is you have Jay-Z who put out the story of OJ and it was a video of him in blackface. There's a caricature of himself in blackface. There's also a caricature of Nina Simone in blackface, which you would think is disrespectful, but it was an art piece. It was meant to invoke satire about what black people are viewed as by society no matter what social, social class they belong to. And that was brilliant. And in Drake's scenario... He was talking about the inequality that, that black actors face every day whenever they're trying to get roles, whether they're light skin or dark skin. And despite that, 
people are saying, no, Drake's a coon, Drake's a coon. But then when it's Jay-Z, it's like, oh, he had a bigger message behind that. Oh, I respect it, I respect it. Now I get it, Jay-Z's an OG in the game. His status is on question. But at the end of the day, it's still the same political statement. And the joke is with Jay-Z, that statement was made only a year ago. With Drake, it was made a decade ago, meaning that he has had this consciousness within himself. Now, a lot of people are going to argue, oh, well, how come he doesn't put that in his music often? Why does he do that in his music? He doesn't have to do that in his music. Like, just because you're a black you're a black artist doesn't mean you have to be a conscious artist that doesn't have to be your brand as an artist like if you're like a party rapper or whatever but then like you have conscious views outside of music that's totally fine not everyone has to be a conscious rapper and it's so unfair for people to expect that of him based on these photos that that were taken well over 10 years ago and this is while he was more so into acting than rapping like mind you he was probably like Maybe one, maybe two mixtapes deep at that point, but the acting career was still in full effect. Like he was doing both at the same time. This is before Lil Wayne, mind you. So I just don't understand why the goalposts is moved for him and certain things are expected of him when he's not within that that's that type of ilk. And the joke, the second joke to this, like I alluded to, is the fact that Pusha T is claiming to, claiming him to be a coon and not and not, you know, respecting his black side enough and being a sellout and what have you. Yet, Pusha T, for about 17 years now, for as far as we've known, because they first linked up with Pharrell in 1997, but we, we know how the story goes. The joke is when it comes to Pusha T, he wants to talk about Cooney and sell out and selling out people. But the man has made records for 17 years about selling drugs and all sorts of poison to people within his own community. He is whether it's real or fake, that has been the stories that he has been selling for 17 years. Talking about he sold dope in Virginia and all over America, how he hired hitmen to execute this person and that person. The man has been giving out confessional tapes for 17 years about how he did dirty by his how he did dirty to his own people, yet people based off of this little war of words between the two rappers, are seeing Pusha T as the more exonerated individual of the two because he's a quote-unquote real nigga. Because he talks about that street shit. That street shit is what got your auntie hooked up on heroin, bro. And you want to tell and talk about this guy being some sort of revolutionary hero? Talk about how he's for the people just because he has more of an underground aesthetic, whereas Drake is more of a mainstream appeal? Come on, bro. And this is a problem that I have with some black people. Not all black people, some black people. And I had a conversation with, with one of my boys about this uh, the other day. And it's that they value, when it comes to black culture, they value the struggle. They don't value the rise. So unless if it's someone that has a certain amount of clout, like a Jay-Z, for example, then they'll, they'll respect the hustle and, and the rise in, in the form of black excellence. But for certain people, they just don't acknowledge it at all. Like at the end of the day, when it comes to black people, we have been at the bottom of the gutter for so long, and the whole idea is to move up from that struggle. We can't be keeping it real or being posted up on the block in the hood forever. Like, it's okay to be black and middle class at the same time. There is nothing wrong with that. But for whatever reason, in some aspects of black culture, they will dictate to you that in order to be considered a real nigga, you have to be in the lower class. You have to be in the lower echelon. You got to be in the gutter, the bottom of the bottom. You got to be a hood. That is what black is all about. No. 
that's not all of what blackness is all about. And what I what I hate about this hood mentality is the fact that a lot of people think that being from the hood is a badge of honor in the sense that you get to glorify about all the all the nefarious activity that happens with the hood, whether it's drug dealing, pimping, pimping women out, gang banging, gun violence, et cetera, et cetera. People glorify the hell out of that shit. What they should be glorifying is the ability to empower your community through 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 aid, through education, through systemic rebuilding of your community so it can be better, so it doesn't have to be a cesspool filled with violence and drugs and 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 whatever you can think of. That should be what should be glorified within the hood, not yo, 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 I shot a man last night and he was he was beaking at me the wrong way. No, no. So whenever people say, oh, Drake ain't hood enough or he ain't from the hood or he doesn't know what it's like to struggle or or he's light-skinned so he's got privilege, it's like you're you are basically you are basically negating the fact that Drake is an individual of the black community who actually had his own struggles, may not have been financial struggles, the type of financial struggles that you want to hear about, but he's had his own struggles nonetheless that he's had to deal with. Like the man grew up basically grew up without a father. And he grew up not knowing what his identity was at one point in time because, yes, on one end, he grew up in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood with his Jewish mother, and he was taught more on his Jewish side of the family. And then he wanted a sense of belonging, so he hung out with the black people on the east end of Toronto. I mean, you can't blame the guy for wanting to find himself in different avenues of life. So I feel like people really need to back off of Drake when it comes to that because it's not fair. Like, you're moving the goalposts for him, and people will deny the fact that he came with some heat on Duppy, but because he's light-skinned, because he's from the upper middle class, you know, ever since, you know, Degrassi days or whatever, they will hold everything back against this dude just so they can cheer for the other guy because the other guy is a real nigga. And I hate the fact that, you know, in hip-hop, if you are light-skinned or you're biracial, you have to be conscious or you have to be uber conscious or something like that. You have to be 10 times more conscious than someone who's dark skinned. And the joke is if there's somebody out there who is dark skinned, they can be as ignorant as they want to be. And that's the sad thing about it. They could be like, they could be like Kodak black or 21 savage or soldier boy, Rick Ross. They can cool it up to the 10th degree, but no one will say nothing. You know why? Because the bar is set so low for people of a darker pigment that they can just get away with bullshit, and that is their standard, and that's the sad thing about it. That's what it really boils down to in, in this little war of words between the two, and it sucks. It really sucks for Drake and people who are kind of in Drake's ilk, so to speak. So kind of bringing it back full circle, I wish Jay Prince didn't, didn't intervene in this. I wish he would have let Drake respond with this record. And I guess because Drake has that much profound respect for Jay Prince, he's going to you know put it on standby at the very least for now. But with that said, I hope Pusha T doesn't give him like a like a sucker punch, so to speak, and put out another diss record knowing that Drake got the OG call from, from the big homie saying not to do it. Because that would be unfair. That would be selfish on his part. And that would be a sneak move. But the joke is... So many people would applaud him for it because of their hate for Drake. Because they hate Drake that much. They hate Drake like they hate the Golden State Warriors, man. And Drake, in their eyes, is Stephen Curry. But, hey, what are you going to do? Either way, do you guys agree? Do you disagree? Let me know what your thoughts are. Hit me up on Twitter at CoolRadioCC and share your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break, we got a lot to get to, which involves Childish Gambino, Lil Wayne, and, and Anthony Bourdain as well. 
But before we get to that, we're going to play one more track. And this is the uh, so far the final track in the whole Drake Pusha T saga, which is entitled The Story of Story of Added On. And it's only on Cool Radio. Yo. Cool. Welcome back, yo. Welcome back. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. And once again, that was Pusha T, the story of Adidon. Just to kind of bring the topic uh, to a wrap for now, but we'll see what happens in the future as the story unfolds. Nonetheless, it is time for Trip Talk. So three of the hottest topics that took place in hip-hop and pop culture as well. So with that being said, let's get to it. So first on the list is, pardon me, Childish Gambino, also known as Donald Glover. So it was uh, made apparent this week that he is one of a few rappers on a short, or not rappers, one of a few actors, I should say, on a short list of actors uh, to play the role of Willy Wonka. Now, this is huge because Willy Wonka is one of the biggest film franchises of all time, one of the most beloved characters in film history, has had a litany of things attached to him, like a cartoon, candy, all that stuff, basically. So what I really like about this is the fact that even though they know that Childish Gambino is a rapper, he's a recording artist, or what have you, they're casting him for a role that isn't indicative of a black actor. And I love that because this is the type, this is the type of role that you would give, let's just, let's just be honest, you just give a white guy to. But when it comes to black, uh, black actors and other actors of color, they're usually given stereotypical roles. And I love the fact that he's not being given a stereotypical role. He's actually given a, being given a role that kind of matches his personality and that matches the eccentric eccentricness that he has expressed throughout his uh, acting roles in the past, throughout his, some of his music, et cetera, et cetera. And I love that because I feel like we are now in an era of a black actor's renaissance, if you will. So Gambino is... He is contributing to that heavily. I mean, he play he plays the role in Atlanta of the of the non stereotypical black guy who is in the in the hip hop world who doesn't really fit the, the the standard of what being black means. So he's in that. You see Issa Rae and Insecure talking about you know the struggles of dating. It's not really a black thing. It's just black people who are just struggling to date. That's all it is. You know, you have a, you have a show like you know Black Lightning, which is a superhero based show. And, you know, normally it's a role that would have been done for a white guy. But, no, it's a black guy being a superhero. Not only that, but he is a family man as well. And even though he's uh, divorced from his wife, they still have a close-knit relationship with, with their children. And they don't feel bastardized because of it. Et cetera, et cetera. I can go on for days. I just think that it's a very good look that that Donald Glover is getting, you know, at least mentioned for this role. He doesn't have the role yet, but he's on that list of actors who could potentially play that role. And I think that's a really good look because of the fact that Willy Wonka doesn't have to be a white guy. I mean, yes, he's been white before, but he's still a fictional character at the end of the day. And him being white was not in- indicative of the abilities of a Willy Wonka to, to grant people the golden ticket to come to his factory. That has no merit on his skin color. I mean, if the Oompa Loompas could be orange and blue and purple and all that stuff, then how come uh, Willy Wonka can't be African-American? You know what I mean? So I think that's a good look for him. And I think more black actors should strive for roles that aren't stereotypical of their skin color. I remember, you know, somewhat of a side note, but I remember Michael B. Jordan made a statement about that on, I don't think it was on The Breakfast Club, but I think The Breakfast Club uh, made it one of their headlines uh, for the week stating that Michael B. Jordan told his agent to not 
have him audition for stereotypical black roles. And I have no problem with that because if you end up being in those movies too often, then you get typecasted. I mean, look at Morris Chestnut. Look at Michael Jai White. Look at all these actors that you can think of, like Terrence Howard. So many actors that you can think of who have been in stereotypically black-led roles for the longest time because of the fact that that's all their agents were giving them. No, let these actors be in roles that are, are that kind of take away your race for a second. I mean, mind you, he did do the Killmonger role, but that was hand that was hand delivered to him by his frequent collaborator uh, Ryan Coogler, and that that role was so well written that he couldn't pass up on it. And I, like I think he knew, I think Ryan Coogler knew what he had in mind for Michael B. Jordan for him to play that role. So he wrote it just for him, I I would imagine. But nonetheless, going back to Gambino, I'm glad that he's on that list of potential actors who could play the role, and I'm looking to see what comes out of it. Uh, But what do you guys think? Will he get that role? Should he be one of the actors nominated for that role? Uh, If so, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at CoolRadioCC and share your thoughts. Next on the docket, we got Lil Wayne, okay? Now, Mind you, I'm not a Lil Wayne fan. I'm a fan of a few songs here and there. He has a couple good albums that I really enjoyed. But I think I got to give credit to where credit is due, and I got to call fair is fair. Um, But the news that I have to announce about Lil Wayne is in regards to his label situation with Cash Money. So he won a $10 million lawsuit against Cash Money, basically stating that he now has freedom away from cash money and that his latest album, The Carter Five, the album that's been shelved for at least, what, three, four years now, will be released directly through Universal Music. Now, Universal Republic is the parent label of Cash Money Records, but that album specifically will be released directly through uh, Universal Records. And basically the caveat with all this was the fact that Birdman had to release Lil Wayne from his contract in order for this to be a possibility. So that's been done. So Lil Wayne is cash money free. So he can do whatever he wants. Now, as far as young money, I don't know if the young money situation means that he can take young money with him as well. Not all the details has come out with that because I know young money is associated with cash money, both, you know, you know, verbally and contractually. So we'll see how that plays out. But at least for Lil Wayne as a solo artist, he's free. And I think freedom for artists is important because it gives you leverage. It gives you agency. It, it allows you to be as creative as you want to be outside your typical norm and spectrum. So I respect the fact that Lil Wayne has gotten his freedom again not a huge big fan of his music but every artist deserves to have their own creative freedom and I'm glad that he's free from from cash money but if anyhow this guy decides to sign a a cash money contract under his free will I am giving him the wanks of the week because not only is cash money records a graveyard but out of the four or five years of torment that he's gone through with this label he should know better so I'm just saying good for you Lil Wayne you got your freedom papers don't look back do you guys agree? Do you guys disagree? Again, hit me up on Twitter at CoolRadioCC and let me know. And final topic under this, uh, I got to talk about Anthony Bourdain, all right? Now, for those of you guys who don't know, Anthony Bourdain, uh, he is a CNN, he was a CNN correspondent uh, who had his own show, uh, basically discussing, you know, traveling the world and just learning about different cultures, uh, not just through, you know, everyday activities, but through food as well, through cuisine, through dining, what have you, because he did have a past as a chef and then he became a book writer um, and then so on and so forth. Unfortunately, he met his untimely demise this week. Uh, he passed away uh, due to suicide and he was 61 years old. 
And it's very unfortunate because he is one of the, the one of the more eccentric voices of CNN, one of the more popular voices at that as well. And he's met some influential people over his his journeys throughout the globe, basically. And he did what a lot of people would would just, you know, be infatuated to do, which is to travel the world, see different cultures, explore their customs or what have you. I for one, I haven't gotten a chance to do you know, my own version of globetrotting yet, but it's something that I plan to do in the future. And that's something that he was able to do, you know, not just for work, but for fun as well. Now, not only did he die this week, but also Kate Spade, the, uh, the uh, women's accessory designer, she, she passed away as well at the age of 55 due to, unfortunately, suicide. And the alarming thing, one of the alarming things about these stories is that these people were, were very, you know, rich to say the least. I mean, Kate Spade sold her company to Coach for $2.4 billion dollars not only is that more than enough money to live off of but that's more than enough money to pass on to future generations through inheritance and it just goes to show you that no matter what tax bracket you're in money can't buy happiness it not even a drop of it i mean sure you know financially you'll be good you don't have to worry about a single bill payment depending on what your expenses are and like how you manage your wealth you know that's all pending on that but if all that is on the up and up, then you you have nothing to worry about from the financial uh, spectrum of things. But just because you have no or little to no finances to worry about doesn't mean that you're not going through something. It just goes to show that mental health is real. And it affects anyone from the lower class to the upper class. It's like a cancer, basically. And it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly or should be dismissed or brushed off. You can't just say to somebody, oh, just take these pills and be fine. Or, oh, you have a demon inside you. Just pray to God you'll be okay. No. People who suffer from mental depression on a regular basis, they need people to talk to. They need a helping hand. They need somebody to confide in, someone who can, someone that they can trust with all their, their, their secrets and what have you. And I think that needs to be expanded upon a lot more, especially within certain communities, especially within the black community as well. So I feel like with these deaths that have, that have taken place this week, it's yet another reminder. Mind you, it's not the first time this has happened, which is, and, and honestly, it should be a constant r- reminder once again that you can be of a certain tax bracket, you can be of a certain upper echelon, but at the end of the day, mental health affects everyone everyone so if you are going through mental health if you issues no matter who you are please talk to somebody about it talk to anyone about anyone that you trust talk to somebody about it to help alleviate all that stress pain and anxiety that you're going through to make your life a lot more better than what it is right now mentally for you that way you can feel better about yourself and go on with the rest of your days but most definitely you know rest in peace to those two individuals and i hope this is a lesson for some people who think otherwise that money can't buy happiness do you guys agree do you disagree once again hit me up on twitter at cool radio cc to share your thoughts and with that being said we're gonna go to our flashback friday track of the day and this artist is an artist who has gone through a lot of mental depression in and outside of his music and and he expressed that a lot within his music even at a time where Discussing your mental health wasn't really the coolest thing to do. It wasn't in vogue. And I think he may have gotten away with it, not because of his passion, but because he literally did not say the words mental health. But nonetheless, he is a pioneer in discussing this type of subject matter. I'm talking about DMX. And this record's called Slippin'. When we get back, we do have our Wanksy of the Week, so keep it locked. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yo, welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. 
and this is Cool Radio. Now we have reached the point of the show that you've all been waiting for, so I will keep you waiting no longer. <clears throat> Who has entered the shower walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. Now, this week's Wankster of the Week goes to NBA executive... Brian Colangelo, all right? Now, you're probably wondering why he's getting the wanks of the week. Well, he's getting the wanks of the week because, you know, it was discovered last week that he had uh, what we call burner accounts on Twitter, basically disrespecting different players around the league, different different other executives around the league, and also leaking confidential information that was in correspondence to players' health, which could affect their earning potential come free agency. So they launched an investigation, and he basically denied the fact that it was him with the burner accounts. He was saying that it was his wife who had the burner accounts, in fact, and she confirmed that it was, in fact, her who was operating these burner accounts. And he also went on to say that he had no knowledge of his wife and these burner accounts. So the question begs, how does she know all of this pertinent information? Nonetheless, the, the investigation was launched, and they decided that it was best for Brian Colangelo to part ways with the franchise. So they didn't officially fire him technically. He resigned, basically. So they, gave him the, they basically gave him the ultimatum to resign. So they fired him without firing him, if you know what I mean. So he's not getting the, the, rank, the ranks solely because of that. But because of the statement that he followed up with shortly thereafter his firing – which basically kind of threw his wife under the bus. So this is a, a, a sample size portion of what he said. And I quote, While I am grateful that the independent investigation conducted by the 76ers has confirmed that I had no knowledge of or involvement in the Twitter activity conducted by my wife, I vigorously dispute the allegation that my conduct was in any way reckless. And then he concluded by saying, at no point did I ever purposefully or directly share any sensitive, non-public, club-related information with her. Bruh, you're throwing your own wife under the bus, bro. Like, that's cold, man. That is, like, there's another quote that he said as well. I can't remember what it was. I was trying to find it, but I couldn't find it for whatever reason. But basically, the other quote, and I'm paraphrasing, mind you, was saying that, that the information and things that she was saying was filled with conjecture and very subjective, et cetera, et cetera. Like, he just kept on going in, just inching the knife in that much more deeper. And it's like, dude, that is your wife. That is the woman you put a ring on. That is the woman that you said for better or for worse in sickness and in health till death do us part. What part of those vows did you miss, my G? Come on. Like, I don't know if that was, like, your actual wife or that was, like, a thing you have on the side. But all I know is if that were any other man, his ass would be on the couch or he'd be sleeping in a hotel or his bags and his clothes would be thrown out the window. Hell, the worst case scenario, he might even get that Lisa Left Eye Lopez treatment and have the house burned down. But either way, man, you don't throw your own wifey under the bus. Listen, she effed up, but you effed up as well by giving her that information because where else was she was she going to get that information from? Unless she's another NBA executive as well. Where was she getting that info? 
obviously there's some pillow talk happening right now. Obviously, you are telling her some info that you shouldn't have been telling her if she's not an executive. So easily, you are just as culpable, but you try to give her the majority of the blame just so you can secure another job in the NBA within the next little while. Nah, you're a scumbag for that, bro. And for and for that alone, you're getting the wankster of the week. Yo, you are the – there's a special place in hell for people like you, Brian Colangelo. For people who do that and for people who draft Andrea Bargnani, do you deserve this wankster of the week? Of course you do. I'm going to drop it on you just like this. Trust the process, my ass. The process don't trust you, bro. Oh, boy. Nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have gotten to the end of the show, so I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, we may have a guest on ne- next week's show, so I'll keep you posted for that. Nonetheless, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. And as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.